All right, the man pulverizing this water bag right now will be making his long-awaited return to center ring on tonight's main event. Mr. T, Mr. T, if I could have your attention. T, what you want, fool? Don't you say I'm trying to work out, trying to get ready? You don't come interview anybody when they're working out. Now get that microphone out of my face, oh, now, wait a minute now. I was just trying to explain to our audience that you're going to be putting on the gloves tonight against battling Bob Orton, Cowboy Bob Orton. Mr. T, please. Let me tell you something. This ain't gonna be no fight. This is gonna be a war. I'm gonna smash the chump. When I get finished with him, he's gonna look like you. Now get out of here. You heard what I said? The other thing I thought I'd do is just quickly run through the matches that are not shown on the broadcast. So this is obviously a show at the Veterans Memorial Coliseum on February the 15th of 1986. I'm glad you mentioned that, because that brings us neatly to this week's Tyron Faxton of the Week. On October 18th, 1993, the Arizona Veterans Memorial Coliseum Kick top. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> On October 18th, 1993, the Arizona Veterans Memorial Coliseum hosted a Nirvana concert which kicked off their In Utero, Utero, in Utero in World Utero. Tour. No, no, it, it was in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> On October 18th, 1993, the Arizona Veterans Memorial Coliseum hosted Nirvana's first concert of their world tour. (laughs) (laughs) I can't think how to do it. Right, come on. Byron Faxton of the week. That's how you do it, old man. (laughs) The Arizona Veterans Memorial Coliseum hosted the first concert of Nirvana's in utero world tour on October 18th, 1993. The event was sold out. Tyron Faxton of the week. I'm not, I'm that, not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure it was worth the wait, to be honest. But it was, yeah, a, good, it it was a good fact, though. Actually, it was a really good fact. I just expected a little bit more than just it was yeah. the day, day of the tour. Well, I've got a second one up the uh, sleeve, so don't oh. worry about that. Oh, lovely, lovely stuff. What a treat. What I was going to say is that at the Veterans Memorial Coliseum on February the 15th, 1986. Which brings me nicely <laughs> to our second. Tyron Faxton of the Week. On September the 9th, <laughs> Elvis Presley kicked off his first tour after returning to live performing in front of a sellout crowd of 13,000. Byron Faxton of the Week. Oh, that is lovely. That is actually supreme. That is actually brilliant.
Welcome once again to the Random Wrestling Review. I'm Ben Spindler and today the show returns to Saturday night's main event and goes all the way back to 1986 for the pre-WrestleMania 2 build that was the main focus of the show in question. Joining me for this trip back in time today is old man Sam Carey. G'day. And also we have Matt Roberts back. Evening gentlemen. Matt, you did a little salute then. You realise this is not a video <laughs> video thing, right? Yeah, it's, it's just old habits die hard. What can I say? It's just something I do. <laughs> do you genuinely do that? Would you go down the street, salute them as you I go past? I kind of do. I, I, I kind of do salute to people. Yeah, this it, it's almost like I, I. it kind of feels like I'm taking the mic, but I'm not. I, I, I'm quite genuine. I do it. But... You're channeling your inner John Cena. That, that is not ever what it was attempted to be, but yeah, that's kind of what it's morphed into, to be fair. Well, fair enough. Now, before <laughs> we get our um, get our expectations for this Saturday night's main event, um, or as Tom calls it, our hopes and fears, Matt, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, but you are on your way to WrestleMania this year for both nights, as I understand it. And so I thought what we'd do, given that the, Rumble had a cu- at, the Royal Rumble happened a couple of weeks ago, get your hopes and fears for the WrestleMania that you'll be attending in April. That is an interesting idea. Um, okay, hopes and fears. Um, I would say for my hope is that the announced match of Brock versus Roman does not get the same treatment from fans that they did the last time they wrestled at WrestleMania. Because for me, I love Brock and Roman. I think they always work really well together. But the crowd just completely ruined their match a couple of years ago. And I dread that happening to this one. And I have a bad feeling it's potentially going to go that way. Hopefully it won't, but we'll see. I don't think it will. I, I got a thing about this. I think that... First of all, I think that slowly a large portion of the perhaps cynical part of WWE's fan base have been won round by Roman Reigns' heel work over the last couple of years. And I also think that Brock is suitably popular to stop that from happening. So I don't think you'll encounter that. But you never know. It could happen. I thought when you said, I'm hoping that the, I thought you were going to say, I'm hoping that the Rock returns and has a match with Steve Austin or something. Because <laughs> that would be my hope for WrestleMania 38 if I was going. Yes, you know, th- th- that's a bit of a sore subject with me because the the way that this has been done, I, I can't even remember when I initially booked my ticket now because I-, I booked it before the pandemic and because of all the changes and everything, I- I'm pretty sure I was meant to go to the, the mania that was behind closed doors. Right. So I'm sure that was the one I was originally meant to go to. Then I've seen all the rumours over the last year or so, oh, we're potentially going to get The Rock back. And then when they pushed it back, potentially saying he's going to be at the, the LA mania, I absolutely was gutted at that point i thought i was this close from being able to see the rock live but it was wasn't meant to be you never know he might he might still have a match who knows you know johnny knoxville versus the rock WrestleMania 38. see now do you know what i honestly think johnny knoxville versus sammy Zayn will happen and do you know what it sounds absolutely batshit crazy and i'm all for it give me Zayn versus knoxville because who the hell else is Zayn gonna work with they'll be half as entertaining it sounds like your fear is going to be the, the Brock Lesnar Roman Reigns is going to be booed out of the building and your only hope apparently for this WrestleMania is that Sami Zayn faces Johnny Knoxville that that isn't a particularly high hope for this year's WrestleMania is it <laughs> do you know I, I just there's something about Johnny Knoxville I just thought he was one of the funnier things in the Rumble I've recently seen the Jackass movie and loved it I want to see Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville let's do it it's interesting actually Max obviously uh, this is new information to me that you're going big time 
spoken to you in about eight months. It's exciting. It's exciting. It's obviously me and Tinky and Tommy have been. It is an exciting time and you look forward to it, kind of regardless of what's on the card. So I'm hoping that that's how you're feeling as well. Because obviously from an outsider's point, well, not an outsider, but from someone who isn't going, it's nothing shaping up. Uh, We kind of touched on this in the Rumble 2022 episode. Obviously, by the time this goes out, a few things may have happened. I know they've lined up uh, Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair, which I'm quite surprised about, but not sad about, to be honest, because I think they'll put on a cracking old show. But yeah, and obviously you've mentioned Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville, which I think will happen and I think will be, as you've said, tremendous fun. Two people who seem to get on very well and have good chemistry, so that's something to look forward to. But what else your feelings going to happen? Do you know what, as far as the card goes, I mean, the, the only other thing I can sort of think of is maybe Becky Lynch versus possibly Bianca Belair. And, and I love Bianca Belair, so I've, I've got no problems with that. That, that. that should actually be pretty good. But yeah, you know, you, you're right. I mean, there's not that much sort of lined up for the, for the card itself. And I wasn't really that excited up until the last week or two where, because he's definitely very close now the the person i go with me and my friend we we sort of um started to plan the different things that we're going to have a look at and we both started to look into the different events that are going to be there i mean ring of honor uh announced one of their events is going to be there and i think tickets are quite cheap so like okay that sounds great um there was a wrestlecon event that looks great josh barnett's blood sport event is something quite unique that, that I think would be quite cool to be able to see. I just, I think the best way that we came up with it is we thought, you know what, let's try and see as much of the indie related stuff that we can probably only see in the US because we're not going to be there for long, you know, and we might not be back for another couple of years. So let's try and see as much of that as we can. Uh, and then, you know, in more of the WWE stuff, I mean, we've got Mania, so that's great. And, you know, when they come to Cardiff or come local, we can always do that here. So yeah, lots of the indie stuff seems seems to be the plan, I think. Basically looking forward to everything but WWE, by the time No, it's yeah. interesting, though, um, because if you think about what you've said, the matches, like, I don't know who they're going to have. But when I look look back to WrestleMania 25 and I think about the matches that we had. So I think that was the year of um, Mickey Rourke doing his bit and Jericho having mm-hmm. the match of those, the three legends. And obviously they had Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. Yeah, Triple H versus Randy Orton main event. I think it was Gene John Cena, Big Show and Edge, maybe threat match looking back at it now i think you could compare like for like with that show and be like mm, it's not that much different the only thing that would concern me about going to wrestlemania these days is you haven't got that Shawn michaels element where you feel like because i i look if, if we were if we were to be objective about wrestlemania 25 which is hard to do because we're there it's our first wrestlemania we would all be like it's a bit shit saved by Shawn michaels versus the undertaker that's the only thing for me is you haven't got that security blanket that there's there's that element where almost regardless of whatever else anyone else does or, or is allowed to do because Shawn michaels and the undertaker have this such history with the company it's almost like they could break the rules and just make something good even if vince wasn't really wanting them to make something good if that makes sense yeah i think part of the things that i am sort of looking forward to is just the just the ability to tick seeing certain people off my bucket list like i've no doubt that there'll be some form of stone cold steve austin appearance i'd be shocked as all hell if there's not even if it's just come down stun at somebody and leave and i've never seen stone cold live before so literally just to be able to say Oh, cool. I've seen Steve Austin live, you know, tick down the plus column. So just just little things like that, really. I mean, if, if the matches are great, fantastic. Not going to complain about that. But but there's so much going on throughout the week. There's no way it's not going to be a good trip. But also, I imagine there is a high possibility of The Undertaker making an appearance. 
because there's obviously heavy rumblings that he'll go into the Hall of Fame because it's in Texas as well. And also, he obviously didn't get his... Well, he had his incredibly sad farewell in front of some cameras and some darkened electric screens at Survivor Series. So I feel like they, they have to do something for him, even if it's just a cursory, hello, everyone, I'm Mark, not The Undertaker anymore. <laughs> How you doing, everyone? Jazz hands. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds worse when you put it that way. I mean, it is crazy to think, you know, thank God we seem to slowly start to be coming through this damn pandemic. But to look back at it and think the Undertaker retired, like you said, old man, in front of cameras, pretty much. That yeah. Like, no fanfare. Did they? I can't remember if they had screens at that point, but that's besides the point. But to retire in front of basically no one, that's yeah. batshit crazy. And just being so resolute in this, no, we have to do it now. It's like, why? Like, the old fart weren't going anywhere. I, I wonder if it was his decision simply because I, maybe he felt like if he didn't do it now, he'd never do it. Or at least, yeah, he'd, or at least he'd come back for one more match, let himself down again, and then feel like he had to go back for another match to get something decent. So I think that decision might have been based on the fact that he was so he was happy enough with his match with AJ Styles. There's like, right, I can I can re- I can retire now, and if I don't retire now, I'll be talked back into another match, and then everything will go wrong <laughs> again. So you may notice we've skirted around the uh, show we're going to cover today, but I just felt like we've got it's a short show. We haven't we haven't got huge yeah. amounts to talk about, so we do a little bit of filler at the start. Um, and if you like filler, don't forget that you can follow us at RWR Pod UK on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I am at Tink Holloway. Matt is at Matt Rob ninety. And old man can be found down the bingo hall checking out the local talent. Yeah, so- I can. <laughs> Whoa. Ooh. Oh yeah, two fit ladies, eighty-eight. Oh no, two. <laughs> the two fit ladies are both eighty-eight. That's it. <laughs> Maybe a bit young for you. <laughs> Let's talk about the hopes and fears and expectations of the show recovering today, shall we? Saturday night's main event five, the fifth edition of the Saturday night's main event show. Um, Matt, let's start with you. Your expectations. Do you know what? I was really looking forward to this. I thought, do you know what? When was the last time that you watched a wrestling show? There was around about an hour, because let's face it, you don't tend to get many of those these days. I thought, no, nah, you know, an, an hour should be fine. Hopefully they don't cram too much into it. You know, on paper, looks okay. Yeah, I, I was wrong, but we'll definitely come to that. Don't worry. Um, but I, I was definitely looking forward to, you know, just chilling out, a little bit of rest and a little bit of entertainment, and hmm, we'll, we'll see. Well, Matt was looking forward to this. Clearly, he hasn't listened to our previous Saturday night's main event <laughs> episode, does he? <laughs> Otherwise, he'd have been well aware of what was coming here. Oh, old man, what about you? So I was more looking forward to seeing what Matt thought of it, because obviously done a couple of shows with Matt and also listened to the ones that he's done with us in the last couple of months obviously hasn't watched a whole lot of this stuff so i was like you know what i'm excited to see what you what he thinks but personally i shrugged the shoulders to be honest because yeah we kind of struggled through the last couple of these that we've done so i wasn't that excited but i was also pleased that it was only an hour and two minutes because if it was to the level of the shows that we watched before at least i could probably do it in one go and I did. I bloody did. Well done. Well done, old man. Well <laughs> Thank done. you. Uh, so this is closer to Saturday Night's Main Event 1, or it feels closer to Saturday Night's Main Event 1 than it is to the other Saturday Night's Main Events we've done. And the reason I say that's quite significant, because Saturday Night's Main Event 1 we did back in May of last year, and I gave a 1 out of 10 
for that show. So my expectations are relatively low, but I think there's a couple of reasons I should say why we do Saturday night's main event. So first of all, as old man said, they're an hour long. They're a much breezier kind of thing. You know, when you've got three hours of stuff to talk through, can take some time especially with the with the absolute bollocks we tend to get ourselves into during the show sometimes as definitely happened over the last few weeks that you know we, we can be on for a long time plus they can take a long time to watch and some of them if they're not very good are a real chore to get through so that's one of the reasons also because of the recording schedule and the way we've done our most recent couple of episodes this was a nice almost a week off in some ways because the Rumble episode, which was the last one we recorded, the Rumble 2022 episode, was a four-hour record, which edited down to three hours. And so I just felt like this would be a much easier and more relaxing week for me and for everybody, really, uh, that we did the show. So it's, it's kind of a it's kind of a week off, if I'm honest. So, I, yeah, not super stoked about what we might see. But in, in the meantime, I also thought that what I said on the last episode we did, which was Saturday Night's Main Event, was that before 1987, they haven't got yet to the kind of period where they have a very defined formula for the show so it's a little bit varied if not particularly good it's at least got some variation to it so that's kind of what i was expecting was a little bit of not sure what we're going to get because if it was a saturday night's main event from 88 or 89 i'm pretty certain i'd know exactly what we would get almost from beginning to end so in that respect it was a winner and obviously naturally expected a lot of Hogan naturally of course <laughs> yeah yeah 100% Brother. so we'll do what we've been doing recently which is to uh go through some talking points each one of us will pick something out of the show that we want to specifically hone in on in this first half of the show and then we'll we'll do the rest of the show in chronological order afterwards so the thing I'm going to pick out here is it's more of a general thing which is again back to that fact that by this Saturday night's main event. WWE had yet to get that formula 100% down. They had a little bit of it. There was there was elements of the formula that that would make the future Saturday night's main events very very similar to one another, but it's not as down by this point. So there are more matches. There are perhaps a little bit more in-ring stuff than there would be later on. There's not those montage of promos to begin the show, which a lot of them have. And also, I think the big talking point for me, the the big single event talking point of this, has got to be the Hulk Hogan music video of Real American. Because this, of course, is when Hogan just, he just got this music. So if you go back and watch WrestleMania 1, they've dubbed over Real American on Hogan's entrance, but he didn't come out to Real American. Uh, In fact, that music was the US Express, the tag team's music at that point. Instead, he, I think he comes out to Eye of the Tiger when he's in the tag team match. He and Mr. T come out to Eye of the Tiger against Roddy Piper and Bob Orton. So it's only at this point that in reality, he started to have Real American. And it kind of is a watershed moment in many respects for WWF because it's the beginning really of the Hogan era proper because he's now got the Real American, but also the beginning of everybody having entrance theme music. So I think that's, I think that's really interesting and really significant. And let's not forget that the quality of the video it's just <laughs> it's just out of this world i mean it's absolutely insanely good specifically the 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 green screen work i thought was just tremendous what <laughs> exactly exactly old man yeah no didn't notice <laughs> My my favourite bit, my favourite bit is the, the bit where Hogan tears up a picture of what I believe is Colonel Gaddafi <laughs> at one point in the video. It's just a work of art. So he tears up this picture and then he rips his shirt off. But his shirt is so tightly tucked into his trousers. 
but he can't pull the t-shirt off so it just kind of flaps down afterwards and he's uh he's superimposed behind the um you know, I, I forgot the fucking name of the rocks with the faces again <laughs> mount rushmore old man mount, mount rushmore with the faces <laughs> yeah that's dwayne johnson i believe you're fine quit the face that's become a right blind spot for me that is <laughs> yeah but oh it's fucking phenomenal isn't it he's so happy as well Hogan. and he's the guitar so player happy. is so expert it's, it's amazing <laughs> why wouldn't he be happy did he see all the places that he traveled all the states <laughs> that he went to playing guitar it was incredible oh. i've never seen somebody zip between all these states so quickly it was amazing it's so weird isn't it <laughs> It's so 80s. That's what I love about it, is that it's almost innocent in its 80s-ness. Because it's just like, should we put it? Oh, this video's amazing, isn't it? It's fucking, this is... I'm like watching this in 1986. I bet it was amazing as well. Now, there's Hulk Hogan there. There's some fireworks going off behind him while he evidently levitates. Well, don't, 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 you, don't you forget, of course, that you think about the other similar stuff that was going on in wrestling at the time. We indeed played it a, a few weeks back the Wrestle Rock Rumble rap from oh, the AWA crowd. Yes. So it's a similar sort of time. So this probably was really good in comparison. And it's funny you mentioned about like the time period because I literally did write down at least twice, this is so 80s. Um, <laughs> after the Hogan video, it was certainly one of them. And after the uh, the opening video of the Saturday Night's Made Event sort of intro, I put, this is definitely the 80s. <laughs> but like th- this show was such, I mean, it was a glorified advert for this video. It pretty much was just completely designed to push this video. It was insane. This was the main event. What are you talking about? The, the music video was the main event. This is what everyone was getting excited for. So what, what amazes me is that in spite of the undoubted excitement that there is for this for this video, Hulk Hogan seems to have done about 20 seconds worth of recording of moving his wrist as if he's playing guitar. And then they've just had to use the same footage over and over again throughout the video because he, he doesn't appear to do anything different all the way through. He's just, it's just the same thing again and again and again. Are you telling me the Hogan wasn't playing that guitar? It's not that. I mean, that that would <laughs> that is not the scandal here. The scandal is for me that he literally seems to have been he seems to have been filming for 20 seconds and they've just used the same bit over and over again. It's not even properly like air guitar in it up. He's just sort of like you know, lazily like just moving his wrist. He's great in it now. It's just great. <laughs> it's just really good. It's just really fun. It also it did break up and obviously we'll get through the show, but it did break up what is a show that is breakneck speed. It is phenomenally fast paced this show and it was kind of nice to get a little bit of normal pace stuff even if it was a man with an awfully receding hairline pretending to play guitar superimposed over some crap stuff tearing up a picture of colonel Gaddafi. <laughs> well you're right about the speed i mean the number of notes i have to take for these this is the problem with the saturday night's big events it's the number of notes i'm taking during the show i'm pretty much writing constantly throughout it because it's so fast it's moving at such a pace I actually had to give up doing detailed notes um, <laughs> around is the tag match where I was just like, no, it's too much going on. And also, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Let's hand over to you, Matt. What was your now that I've taken the best thing? What would you like to, <laughs> to talk about? I mean, do, do you know that I, I was originally thinking of going with that? I mean, th- there's another two things that I was potentially thinking of going with. Um, in fact, one of them I'll touch on very quickly because we did brief, briefly talk about it there was was the pacing of the show. I mean, for the, for like the first 
I think like sort of 15, 20 minutes, I had to rewind so many times because I was taking notes and then I'd look down, look up and then I'm like, whoa, whoa, what happened there? It's like, you know, somebody's been pinned. And I'm like, where the hell did that come from? It was just far too quick. And, and that gave me a bad taste in my mouth at the start of the show because I thought, well, oh, this is an hour. This is going to be paced surely quite well. But no, it was almost as if they decided we have to get everything that we can possibly get crammed into this hour and we have to get through to breakneck speed. There's there's no need for it. It's one of my bugbearers at wrestling. There's, there's no need to go through it at that much of a, of a speed. There's, there's just no need for it. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I, I think that that's one of the strengths of this these shows is the pace of it. But not necessarily because it makes it it's a good quality. That's not really what I mean by a strength. But I mean it, and I think we well, definitely touched upon this in the first time we had a Saturday Night's main event, is you've got to remember this is Saturday Night's primetime family television. If you compare it to Saturday Night and, and Deck Saturday Night's takeaway, for example, it's that kind of feel. It's like, boom, here we are with this thing. Here we are over there with that gag. Here's another sort of set piece we've set up. Here's some people home who we're going into the house and they're going to do some crazy challenge here we go into the audience and we're going to speak to this person you know it's so quick it's like rattled through it's got a very similar style to that kind of thing and so in some ways i I think that that is why it was so successful because wwe found a way to promote a wrestling show in the style of a of a mainstream saturday night's prime time television show and they did that by just rattling through stuff and and giving it that speed so i i agree with you it doesn't help in the quality because you're constantly like hang on what's going on but i think it really works for what they were going for with saturday night's main event i mean i have to applaud you on the comparison to to anta deck alone (laughs) that that the, 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 you know, genius. Uh, and let me tell you, as somebody who's watched many, many episodes of Anton Deck's Saturday Night Takeaway, it is far better paced than this show was. I, I still kind of felt that, like, no matter what was happening, somebody somewhere had their eye on what was next before, the, the you know, the match or the segment had even finished. And the announcers were already talking about the next thing. It, it just felt like such a rush to, to, to get through everything. And you know, I'm I'm not opposed to, to shows being an hour, but they, they they could have dropped a lot less of this. They, there was no need, I don't think. The other thing that I did want to talk about was Mr. T. Mr. T, for me, is interesting because I don't know if you know this, but, you know, I've never really seen that much of him. So for me, and, you know, as we found out through a lot of these shows recently... A lot of this older stuff, for me, it's the first time I'm seeing it. Now, I've never really seen the A-Team before. I knew that Mr. T was in it. Um, I'm aware of his reputation and things like that. But the one thing that really struck me watching him, particularly when he was doing promos, is this guy, 100%, should have been a pro wrestler throughout his entire career. I've loved watching Mr. T. He's so over the top, so ridiculously entertaining. Yes, not all of his promos necessarily make sense, but just at the start, the fact he was just sort of growling and, you know, and mean Gene, how dare you interrupt me? You know, while, while I'm punching on the bag. I was absolutely just astounded by how entertaining he is. It's interesting because, so Mr. T goes on a little, uh, goes on a little trajectory, which is Hard word to say, I've suddenly realised, because I think I've probably used it about twice in my life. So he starts off with the bit that Matt's just referenced with the punch bag, and he's growling, and he cuts an absolutely cracking little promo with Mean Gene. It's absolute cracking. I was like, fucking hell, who knew Mr. T had the chat? And he just rolls down the hill from there. 
He's rolling down the hill at breakneck speed as well. He cuts another promo and no idea what the fuck he's on about. He's evidently quite annoying, Mean Gene as well, which I imagine is quite a hard thing to do, although he gets annoyed a bit later on as well. And then he has his match, which we'll go into a bit later on, I imagine. And then he cuts another promo and it's even fucking worse. And I'm like, come on, T, Mr. T, Mr. Three. No, only one. Well, that's uh, that's 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 gonna stick. That one. That's that is a catchphrase that we will uh, hear many many times in the future. I'm sure. <laughs> so to put Mister T's three, th- Mister Three, Mister T's Three, in context. These are my notes. Mister T punchback. Actually, a very good promo from him. Mister T's second promo was less impressive. Third Mister T promo of the show. Crap. <laughs> that's it. It's, it's a clinic. I think the other thing about Mr. T here is that's interesting is that this is the Hogan spot for all the other Saturday night's main events. He is spotlighted so much in the first 20 minutes of the show. You never get that on another Saturday night's main event, or at least the ones we've seen. They're all Hogan. It's all Hogan promo. Basically, you get the, as I said at the beginning of the show, you get the kind of um, montage of promos. Usually Hogan's is the last one. Then you get a backstage promo after a little bit with Vince and Jesse with Hogan. Then you get you know, one match, then you get perhaps Hogan's opponents in a promo, then you get the Hogan match. And so Mr. T's basically been drafted into the Hogan role here. And they're really, really spotlighting him. I guess, you know, he's got that mainstream appeal. Matt, you said you haven't seen much of Mr. T. Have you seen Rocky Three? Yes, I have seen Rocky Three, to be fair. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think that seems to be the real trigger for this for this whole run that he has in WWE. Obviously, they do a lot of, as I said, they came out to Eye the Tiger at WrestleMania 1, which is obviously another tie into that that film. Hogan was in that film as well, of course, so that's kind of another part of it. And I think, you're right, though, his first promo is excellent. His first promo, mm. it's like he, he gets his character so well. The only problem is, is he comes across as a heel, and then when he does the second interview with Gene, he kind of he's almost trying to be a bit more conciliatory towards him. And that's when it starts to fall down. Maybe he should just have been a hill like he is in Rocky three. I don't know. I, I can see what you mean there. But um, I re- yeah, I really did enjoy the first the first promo. I thought it was uh, it was great because it just it felt very natural. It felt like he had his character down. It felt very wrestling based. You know, it's quick. It was you know, it didn't necessarily have to mean much, but you got the impression of who he was and what he was about right away. So could we call his show? Mr. T, Rocky Three promos. <laughs> that's exactly what they are. They are, you're right, yeah. You're Mr. T and his Rocky Mr. Three T, promos. Rocky Three promos should have been one. Lovely. <laughs> Rolls off the tongue. Tell what, that's a fucking t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> that is the tagline for the entire podcast from now on i think yeah mr t three mr t rocky three mr i can't do it i just can't do it mr t rocky three promos should have been one i think it's important also to get the cadence all wrong for the last bit yeah that's a license to print money that is it is thank you <laughs> just taking a note and written that down so, right i'll make sure i do that one tomorrow don't forget get the t-shirt order in 100 so old man what was your thing you wanted to pick out i'm gonna pick out something that caught me very much off guard which is the main event of the evening <laughs> uh junkyard dog and adrian adonis so i have never seen any adrian adonis i realize and I realise why is well, because he dies a couple of years after this, unfortunately. He is fucking fantastic. I mean, for a start, I mean, that character in 1986, that is an enormous pair of bollocks on that guy. By that <laughs> but he's all in. Like, he is 
so far in. Now, so e- so Adrian Adonis does the promo with Jimmy Hart at the start. That's another rhyme with Gene. Lovely end to the rhyme. And um, so for people who don't know, Adrian Adonis is this. The insinuation is, is that he's homosexual. But he's incredibly calm, incredibly flamboyant. He's got these lovely scarves on. Too many. His neck must have been fucking roasting. He's got so many scarves on. But he's he's messing around. In Tom's words, he's mucking around <laughs> with Gene. And Gene is not happy about it. And he says, he's like, you better cut that out, pal, at one point. Something, words to that effect. And he kind of like, he's trying to get him to back off. I think Gene might be a bit homophobic. But given his age and the era that he's in, I think you'll probably have to get a pass for that because I think it was quite prevalent at the time, which is why the character is so astonishing. And then I'm like, well, this is great, isn't it? And then he's bumping around like a man half his size for JYD. He makes JYD look moderately passable, which I thought was impossible. Which is another fucking rhyme. Fucking hell, I've basically turned into DMX. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Unbelievable. (laughs) Really, really good stuff. So impressed by it. And Jimmy Hart is fantastic on the outside as well. He's hugging Adonis. He's trying to calm him down. There's a bit where Adrian Adonis gets lobbed outside the ring. And uh, he lands on Jimmy Hart. And he lies on him for what is an uncomfortably long time. And Jimmy Hart's obviously trying to get up and Adonis is obviously winding him up because he just won't move. It was fantastic. Great main event. Probably, I was thinking, better than Jericho Triple H at WrestleMania. <laughs> yep. Well, I'm, everything's better than that. <laughs> yeah. And I think that was probably it. Well, actually, to be fair, <laughs> to be fair this, this match is probably better than WrestleMania 2. Like, just in general. <laughs> and yeah, it's really lovely stuff. Just crazy. JYD, moderately decent. You can't ask any more of that. But this point, his mum didn't turn up to have a little dance. But then I realised that that was on the Mother's Day show, and I really hated that show. God, I hate Mother's Day. <laughs> you, you hate Mother's Day, but you didn't really hate that show. You gave that a four out of ten, that show. So. I, uh, yeah, I must have been drunk, even though that was when we used to record on a Sunday morning. So I definitely wasn't. But <laughs> yeah. must have been generous. Must have been. No, it's interesting. Obviously, Adrian Adonis came into the WWF with uh, Jesse Ventura. They were tag team originally. Um, and then, and at the time, Adonis was actually quite ripped. But obviously, over that period, four or five years, put piled on the pounds and no longer looked that way. But I think that kind of helped his his kind of gimmick in in this in this way. And he he left for WWF not long, a couple of months after his Roddy Piper match at WrestleMania 3, uh, which was Piper's retirement match. So he was quite a big deal. I mean, quite a big part of the early Hogan 80s run of the WF and their national expansion. And uh, I, agree, I agree. I think the, the, the character work he does is, is really, really good. It's, you know, as you said, it's kind of a bit of a problematic character now, I would suggest, looking back on it. But as you say, we're dealing with a very different very different time nearly 40 years ago we're talking here there has to be a modicum of acknowledgement that you're dealing with a very different time but but yeah an interesting definitely an interesting one and i i think you're right i don't think i mean since we're talking about it i don't think his match with junkyard dog was bad at all especially when you compare it to junkyard dog's match that we saw wrestlemania uh, saturday night's main event one which was was really poor 
was ghastly. That's yeah. what it was. It was absolutely. When the best thing about it is your mum getting in the wrestling ring and having a little dance, a little crap dance, you know you're in trouble. So if JYD gets worse, that's yeah, that, that that's going to be a problem. Uh, <laughs> um, the, the the people loved him. Like I, I was quite surprised by how how over he really was. Like to the point of I thought it was almost deafening for him at, at points. But but you're right. I I mean for Adonis, a hundred percent, it was a ballsy move to to portray that character i mean fair play that's that wouldn't have been something easy to pull off then i mean one thing that, that i was thinking i didn't have a chance to check i i don't know if uh, either of you guys know was any of that based on adrian street do you know I, I can't i can't remember the time scale of which adrian street was about and i'm sure it might have been around then maybe I don't know. Wales, Wales is most uh, famous professional wrestler of all time, Adrian. Yeah, I imagine it's funny you say that because I meant to check that because he was exactly who I thought of. Yeah. When I was on there, looking at the time he was born, it probably was. Look at that man. My word, he is fantastic, Adrian Street. Uh, apparently, Adrian Street. So let's just let's get him up another level. He's getting a he's getting a big push here. He apparently once beat Jimmy Savile to a pulp. <laughs> are we talking about in real life or in a re- worked wrestling no in real life after some boosts oh i'm having to go on the daily mail website here you realize that the algorithm for you now is going to be severely tainted you've got daily mail and jimmy savile all in the same thing there that's absolutely fine to be honest because so apparently he was boasting about sleeping with underage girls so adrian street beat the shit into them Nice. There we go. Yeah. I didn't expect us to be talking about him ever on the podcast. No. So this is what happens when we bring this is what happens when we bring a bit of diversity into the podcast. We've got a Welsh guy on the show and he uh and he starts to, to yeah. talk about Welsh wrestlers from a long, long time ago that, that I'm sure I, I'd never I've never seen a match and I doubt any of us have ever seen a match of his. No. D- different flavours, that's what it's about, guys, now. It is. So yeah, so I'm sure Matt, you weren't impressed by the match between uh, Junker Dog and Adrian Adonis. No, oh, hell no, the match that. <laughs> I think I and and again these these shows are just honestly they're just completely random. So there's, there's, it's not like I've planned this, but I think for the future you might have to adjust your expectations for le- earlier matches. I think they're going to be very different to what you've been used to, um, as we've all found whilst watching some of the shows we've watched over the last year. Um, they're, they're just not quite the same. I've seen a lot of Junkyard Dog before his run in WWF, and he was pretty much the same as he is here. Super over though, and that's the that's the bit you can't mm. can't knock. In the Veteran Memorial's Coliseum that night on 15th, 15th of February 1986, there wasn't just Saturday Night's main event because the show itself doesn't actually last that long, as we've already attested to. There were four other matches that took place. In addition to the ones we've seen, there are Hercules against Special Delivery Jones, uh, C.V. <laughs> Affy versus Rene Goulet, Tom's favourite with the hair, yeah. um, Terry Funk against Jose Luis Riviera, and perhaps the biggest match of the night, although arguably not at the time, Pedro Morales, former WWF world champion, against Bret Hart. Fucking hell. That should have been on the show. I'd have been very, very interested to see that one. Um, but yes, we, we get these matches instead, which we will run through in chronological order after a little break. Lovely. Good timing, because I'm going to piss myself in a minute. <laughs> Special delivery, Jones. I'm looking that one up. Okay, gentlemen, we're ready for our first wrestling match of the evening, and Bobby Heenan, is your man ready? <laughs> is he ready? He's ready as he's ever going to be to take the belt away from Hogan. Oh, wait a minute. He's not here to fight Hulk Hogan tonight. I want Hogan! 
Wait a minute, Bobby the Brain Heenan. I don't know if your man understands or not, but he is not fighting Hulk Hogan tonight. Let me tell you something. He knows exactly what he's doing, Dimwit. King Kong Bundy's ready. He's ready to fight anybody you want to put in the ring. Just let Hogan get into the ring. Let him put the title on the line. We're ready for a shot at him right now. Why do you think we came to this dump? I have a contract in my pocket. I'll sign it anytime, anyplace, anywhere. If Hogan will get in the ring and give us a shot at that title. Anywhere, anytime, Hogan. Now, gentlemen, please. You've got to be ready for another bout tonight. What about that one, Bobby Heaton? We'll meet our commitments. Don't you worry about a thing there, shiny head. So, have you looked up on me? What's his name? Delivery Boy Jones, is it? <laughs> um, and one of the pictures that comes up, I just had to laugh. Literally, this is a quote from like a picture off YouTube. Wrestling jobber. Steve <laughs> <laughs> Jones. <laughs> I so Aww. hope his finisher was like a punch that they called the special delivery or something. Or they just missed yeah. a treat. Let's have a look. I've never heard of him. Yeah, but he's massive as well. How the hell are you a job guy? Oh, perhaps he was crap. He's absolutely huge. What, what's his name? S.D. Jungle's his real name. Hang on. I'm feeling very self-conscious right now. The first two things I heard was, he's crap, and he's absolutely enormous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Conrad Ephraim. That's it. All right, so, sadly deceased, killed by a stroke. Uh, Who's this? Uh, this is uh, Delivery Boy Jones, as I'm going to call him now. <laughs> Special Delivery Jones? No, Delivery Boy Jones. Sorry, <laughs> Delivery Boy Jones. D- DBJ. Yeah. Recorded Delivery Jones. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me that every match had to be done by 1pm. <laughs> yeah, and the, op- the opponent had to sign something after they pinned him. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you fucking what. That's got to stay in, isn't it? <laughs> bit, of, bit of Royal Mail-based humour. <laughs> but not just Royal Mail, any any mail. I'm sure any mail these days can be... Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, a little delivery. note on uh, Delivery Boy Jones. Uh, he uh, lost King Kong Bundy in nine seconds in the first WrestleMania, mm-hmm. which is a good... Yeah, nice. He's uh, He was pretty much a jobber all of his career, and he'd been in WWF for a very long time, from the like, uh, late 70s right the way through to this sort of period. And uh, But they used to give him like a win every like, you know, 20 weeks or so on the show, on the on the weekly shows, so that they could kind of build him up a little bit so that he wasn't just a normal mm. jobber, like an unknown jobber. So, yeah, it's around a long time. Well, magnificent Morocco, you've heard what King Kong Bunny wants. He wants what you got a shot at heavyweight champion Hulk Hogan. Everybody wants what I got. Everybody's looking for my magnificent God. Is that why you seem to be so so agitated, Don Morocco? <laughs> agitated? I'm not agitated. I have never been agitated. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, my manager, Mr. Fuji, has suddenly come down with a case of the flu. And you know what? You know what? I think that geek Hulk Hogan's behind it. Well, I, I can I can imagine it's probably a case of the Asian flu. Uh, uh, Mr. Well, wait a minute now, Don Morocco, uh, you're sir. You're a million laughs. Uh, Hong Kong flu. What? I, I'm very curious. Mr. Fuji will not be in your corner tonight? No, he won't. So you're going to wrestle tonight, the heavyweight champion wait of the world? A, wait a minute. Without a manager. Wait a minute, smart guy. You with all the hair. 
Mr. Fuji, in his infinite oriental wisdom, has found me the wisest, the smartest manager in professional wrestling today to be by my side. Bobby the Brain Heenan, brother. He is going to be the manager of the new WWF World Champion. Wait a minute, Bobby Heenan. This is going to be a conflict of interest for you. No way, Bozo. I'll tell you, for two reasons. One, Mr. Fuji is a very, very good friend of mine. And two, anytime anybody gets in the ring with Hulk Hogan, I'm there to add support. I'll be in that corner. Okay, welcome back to the show. Now, I've just been thinking, old man, what you were talking about with uh, Elvis Presley and uh, Nirvana and everything, that's a pretty impressive uh, place, this uh, old Veterans Memorial Coliseum. It is indeed, yeah. That's all I've got. That's all I've got. Uh, Cool. That's all I've got. Uh, All right. What, do you want some more facts? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I just wondered if there was any more to it. But no, you know what? I think that is illustrious enough company for the... Uh, the, well, the Veterans Memorial Coliseum, which I have to keep reading because I forget the name as soon yeah. as I've finished saying it. You know what? We've committed now. So let's get the whole, let's get our dick. No, sorry, let's not do that. <laughs> Put your dick away, Matt. God's sake, is a slip of the tongue. Uh, the Monkees performed there on January 21st, 1967. Uh, apparently, it was shown on the Monkees on Tour, some series they did. Bollocks, who gives a fuck about that? Uh, November 11th, 1969, the Rolling Stones played a show for their live there for their Let It Bleed tour. And uh, Elvis Presley actually also. Uh, As I said in our very first episode, there's nothing better than a podcast where someone literally just reads from Wikipedia. But, yeah, it doesn't. The thing <laughs> is, as well, is, 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 the, what was it November 11th, 1970, was it? Yeah, and then ni- 1973, on April 22nd, he played as well. But there's some stupid wording on the thing. So just to let people know, because I know this is on the edge of the seat, 12,000 people were here, but the capacity at this time would have been about 14,500. So I've been a bit disappointed with the crowd, but never mind, eh? Not with the rating, though, which was a 10.0 for this particular show. It was. Yeah, which was their second highest so far, only usurped by number four, which was a 10.4 rating. Now, you might know this, Tinky or Matt. What the fuck does a 10 rating mean? I know it's high. Mm. I know it's very high, but I don't know how many people It's complex. It's complex because it doesn't mean the same all the time. So I think Mm. it's basically something to do with the proportionality of the entire television audience, which... In the mid 80s, I know it's not hugely far along ago, but not not as many people or as many televisions existed in uh, 1986. Yeah. So I have a feeling that the rating is, is, is about the proportion of people who watched it com- as compared to who had a television. But that, that audience will have changed over time. So it's not directly correlatable. You can't necessarily compare, compare the two. Mm-hmm. That's tough. Do you reckon it's higher than the 105,970,000 people who watched the farewell episode of MASH in 1983. <laughs> I don't believe so, because the main event episode where Andre beats Hogan for the title was mm. something like 30 odd million, which is the biggest television, American, North American television audience ever. That's an astonishing number, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. Massive people. Fuck, I mean, they get two million. I know it's a very different time because there's a lot more options for people and it's also a three-hour show and it's not a Saturday evening and people didn't have lives in the 80s <laughs> because they were too busy fucking, weren't they? Having kids. That was like another boom generation. So it was understandable. The Cold War was coming to an end. What else are you going to do? Get upstairs and get your bloody kecks off you. <laughs> get the gaffer tape out. Yeah. Well, that, that's the for after, just to control them. 
Um, so, by then, I mean the bollocks. <laughs> so let's just uh, get back on track, shall we, and go through this show. So as you, as we've already said, there's a few um, early promos from Mr. T. We've got Vince McMahon and Jesse Ventura on commentary, as always, for the Saturday night's main event. But uh, So we've got two things for this intro. Is Jesse Ventura's outfit is fantastic. He's wearing a beret, which is just, it's going to top anything. But Vince's, so bear in mind, right, and I was watching this, I was like, oh, I'm not sure about that. This isn't life. Vince's intro is almost as messy as my first Byron Faxon of the week, <laughs> which no doubt Tinky will have expertly edited. So that it sounds slightly less crap than it did a couple of times before. But um, really crap intro by Vince. He's stumbling over his words. I think it's probably because he's drooling over the money they're going to make from the Hogan music video. <laughs> See, you know, I, I was just dazzled, too dazzled by Jesse's suit to to pay any attention to Vince. What's that jacket? It, it just looked like somebody had thrown some paint over and the paint dripped down. And he went, eh, why not? That, that's what happened. I'm pretty certain that's, that's exactly what happened. I think I was the same as Matt. I got completely dazzled by Ventura because I did not notice McMahon's intro at all here. Yeah, I mean, it's just going to get... To be fair, I completely understand. This is... This is up there, I think, in the Jesse garb that we've had so far. Oh, definitely. I hopefully, when Tommy listens to this, he'll go, I can probably stop masturbating for five minutes to check that out. And then he'll look online and then he'll finish himself off. I was going to say, you're asking quite a lot for him to stop. I mean, he might he might momentarily pause to press play and then go back to it. But I wasn't I wouldn't expect him to stop. We've got um, we're told by them that the tag team titles and the world titles are going to title is going to be on the line. Um, it sounds like we've got five matches within an hour here to matt's point about the speed of the show and then we get some um footage of hulk hogan on piper's pit where hogan introduces mr t as his friend who will fulfill the open contract with boxing battling ace cowboy bob orton (laughs) who has got about four thousand different names during the show yeah so You've got an open challenge, yeah? I haven't. I haven't. Bob Orton Jr. has. You've got an open challenge, yeah? Yeah, yeah, we got an open challenge. And then a third time Hogan asks. This is all within the space of about a 45-second recap. And I'm like, fuck off, Hogan. He's already told you. Pay attention so you stop watching this shit. Because I'm not a big fan of Piper. No, you're not. I don't really like his promo style. Hogan is not the Hogan that he would come to be at this point in the promos like when i was watching this i was like the development in how he talks between this period and the very next year is astonishing because he's like a well greased up massive man machine by the time like these shows and wrestlemania 3 comes around but he's very clunky in this he doesn't seem to know what's going on either and i thought that when he walks out for his match he looks like he hasn't slept in about six months Probably because all the traveling for the music video. That's that has got to be it. <laughs> yeah. that is, I yeah. mean, it, would, it would bear anyone out. Let's be honest. I was tired watching it, and, <laughs> and the way he tears up that picture of Gaddafi. <laughs> I just can't get over Bob Orton's name of Battling Bob Orton. <laughs> what is that? I mean, it's, it's Battling Boxing Ace Cowboy Bob Orton Jr. To you, Matt. Well, excuse me. <laughs> I mean, you'd think something like that. It, it, you know, you wants to try and put a little bit of fear into somebody, but you just can't help but laugh. It's just so stupid. So then we get uh, Joe, Gene Oakland backstage with, well, no, not backstage. It's kind of in front of the green screen, which they're pretending is in front of the kind of 
the crowd. And uh, Gene Oakland interviews Piper and Orton. Piper suggests that Mr. T can't be an American hero because he hangs out with Boy George. That's the main thing I got from this promo mm-hmm. is that he showed a little clip of the newspaper where Mr. T was talking to Boy George. And so Piper decided, well, he can't be a true, Amer- true American hero then. I mean, we, we've heard Piper say some stuff. Mm. And I was glad that he stopped there, to be honest. Yeah, it could have gone further. Also, well, also, like, evidently, we find out later on in the show, well, Mean Gene's not keen on the, um, you could say uh, Adrian Dodds is just camp, but he, and the flamboyant, shall we say, like the flamboyant dresses. So I thought Gene might bloody get in on Boy George, but luckily they didn't. So what? I was a little bit more comfortable, but then they said that it's going to be 10 rounds. <laughs> they did say and then i was like rounds. can you not talk about boy george a bit more <laughs> <laughs> it was 10 10 rounds the prequel to the john cena film <laughs> yes <laughs> wow i totally forgot about that film for a second <laughs> it's funny because i think everyone has <laughs> not just for a second either for years <laughs> well for 12 rounds didn't the miz take it over <laughs> no that, that was the marine oh uh, yeah they had um who was it cena orton ted DiBiase, i believe and uh, the Miz, and I think there's like five of them. Yeah, and I don't think Randy Orton ever did do it. I think he was supposed to, and then was That's thrown right. out. That's right. We we've had this, haven't we? We have. Yeah. It's always good to go over old stuff because you can't remember what happened yesterday, <laughs> let alone three, let alone six months ago. In fairness, you probably filed it under the topic of twelve rounds. <laughs> yeah, there have been six. Six marine, marine films. films with the yeah. Miz. Uh, four, four with the Miz. Jeez. Yeah. yeah, unbelievable, isn't it? And um. Obviously, we are uh, me, Tinky, and Tommy. When we talked about uh, Royal Rumble 2022, we said that Summer Rae maybe wasn't a legend. Well, I did. Let's not put this on those boys. I did. She's in four of these films. <laughs> so, oh no, no, sorry. She's in the Marine Four. Ah, yeah. Naomi, Maurice, Curtis Axel, Heath Slater, and Bo Dallas are in number five. Well, they reserved it for just the big names then. Yeah. <laughs> Becky Lynch. They obviously, number six, they went all out because Becky Lynch and Shawn Michaels. Bloody hell. Yeah. <laughs> Wrestling royalty in that one, especially compared with the previous. Yeah. And um, both of those people are on the cover with horrendous, horrendous superimposed things on. But yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you what, boys, I've fallen down a rabbit hole here. It's almost like Tommy's ear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So I don't think it's the Chuck Norris, but we'll go with it. The Marine Six, Close Quarters. Cinematography, Luke Bryan. Music by Christian Wade. Edited by Chuck Norris. <laughs> I, I I think it probably is the Chuck Norris. And that's how that's a real show of how quality, how much quality is in that film. Mm. And, and I think it falls to me at this point to tell our listeners that next week we'll all be reviewing the Marine <laughs> 3. Uh, the first of them is his uh, yeah. contributions to the franchise. I mean, in fairness, I can't review it because I've never seen it. Well, you've got to watch it between now and next week. That's how it works, mate. Cool. Well, to be fair, it's only 85 minutes. It was only about 20 minutes longer than this show. There you go. No problem. So uh, backstage, Mr. T's getting his hands taped. So this is the second uh, promo. Uh, And then another Oakland interview with Mr. T. So that's your third one. Then we have the Mr. T versus Bob Orton Jr. boxing match scheduled for 10 rounds, as you said, old man. And yeah, this one ends where basically Roddy Piper decides to get involved. We've got all kinds of mayhem. And I think there's a disqualification finish in there somewhere, which means Mr. T's won. Let's start with old man. Your thoughts on the match? I don't want this. Not interested. Off the bat, I'm already like, nah, come on, fuck off. (laughs) 
And because it opens the show as well, I'm a little bit like, like they're, they're not going to go 10 rounds. We know that's not going to happen, but I'm like, they're starting this off. There's and a I chance. I could have forgotten how many, yeah, I was like, there's a chance this could go 20 minutes here. Luckily, it doesn't because it's very dull. Something occurred to me when I was watching this. You got Bob Orton, or Bollocks Bob Orton, or whatever his name is. I'm going to do um, it one he, more time. Battling Boxing Ace Cowboy Bob Orton Jr. Cool. There we go. So, so Bollocks Bob, he's in a boxing match so he's getting punched with gloves and i'm like but he's we've watched him to this point but i haven't but people would have watched him for years getting punched by bare hands not bare hands b-a-r-e hands bare hands are bare hands are paws as well so come on but yeah we've watched him do that and he's been fine but mr t who somehow so this is this blew my little mind so mr t's there in some little silk shorts they're very short shorts i'm like oh he looks very naked he's not wearing anything on his knees which i don't think helps well bollocks bob is just wearing trunks but he's got some knee pads on mr t looks significantly more naked than oh bollocks bob weird did you object to that or you know what oh uh, no no i just found it quite strange that mr t looks so much more naked even though te- strictly speaking the clothing on his nether regions is bigger than old bollocks bobs and i was I wonder, like that's weird isn't it i wonder where that saying comes from nether regions yeah yeah Some, well somewhere near ne- the netherlands maybe yeah yeah maybe people didn't know where the netherlands were <laughs> they thought they were in someone's pants i know why <laughs> i had to check it i reckon it's because the netherlands <laughs> used to be the lowlands uh, ah, and it's below the belt oh bollocks bobs bollocks <laughs> Matt, what did you think of the match? It, it, it was kind of a weird dynamic. I mean, like again, not knowing that much about Mr. T, like it came across Mr. T was meant to be a shoot fighter. That that that's what it seemed like. But but correct me if I'm wrong. Surely that's based on him in a movie. So that's based on him being in Rocky Three, which they discuss in the match on commentary. They talk about the fact that he's a boxer in a movie, and this is not the same as a movie. So yeah, so like so in this fictional entertainment world we're pretending that rocky 3 is real and these events happened and mr t is this kick-ass fighter from there and i was kind of expecting it to be pretty much a squash and when that didn't happen i was like okay i mean don't get me wrong he's not getting whooped or anything but you know surely if if you're the hard man mr t you should be kicking his ass and it it didn't quite happen so it just it it didn't really work i mean it was it was short for what it was i mean what what else can he say i mean the only thing that i thought was really stupid was the the thumb to the eye spot which I particularly watch enough UFC to know, like, a thumb to the eye with a boxing glove is not going to be anywhere near as bad <laughs> if it didn't have one on. So it just seemed like a strange sort of spot. But, yeah, it uh, it, it didn't work. Really didn't work. Have you seen WrestleMania 2? No, I have not. Because if you... if you yeah, well, don't, first of all. A, don't. <laughs> and, and, and B, if you have, then you'll know that this was infinitely better than the boxing match that Mr. T ends up having with Roddy Piper on WrestleMania 2. Because um, this, this is actually far more entertaining. Um, and it forced me at this time to tell our listeners that next week we will be reviewing WrestleMania 2. <laughs> <laughs> as well as uh, as well as well uh, the Marine 3 as well. Yeah. Uh, Six. No, no, no. Three. Well, we'll do them all in order, mate. Come on. Oh, in the, but only the, only the Miz films. I'm not interested in the good ones. <laughs> all right. I've committed now. Again, just to, for clarity, next week, WrestleMania 2, then all four of the Miz Marine films is uh, <laughs> yeah, cool. 
I think that the thing about this match that really stood out to me was that this shows the extent to which Vince McMahon just did not care about making wrestling real anymore. He decided that there was just no point in keeping up the pretense even way the back way back in the 80s. So he was just like, you know what, I'm just going to present something that's just ridiculous, basically over the top, as glitzy and over, over the top as I possibly can make it within the budget I've got on with the people I've got. Because you've got Mr. T in there, an actor facing a wrestler in a boxing match it's obviously fake they're obviously not really punching each other it ends ridiculously it has all the wrestling tropes so i bobby orton jr attacks mr t before the bell there's a there's at one point roddy piper distracts the referee there's all those kinds of things there's no pretense there's any boxing judges on hand like no nobody's introduced the, the judges to say that there's some here they are i find it quite interesting that vince man literally was just like you know what in fact he openly was trying to tell people that it wasn't a real sport based on the fact they would cost him less because the his big issue was all the different state athletic commissions that they'd have to pay to put on shows so he, that was part of his strategy so like, i'll just i'll just not i'll just tell everyone it's not real and then they can't they can't kind of charge me it's not very good though it's not very interesting but it as i said it is better than his match with roddy piper at wrestlemania 2 so i had to at least be thankful for that and this of course is the build for that match that is this is what this match is about so as you said old man there is some after match stuff we've got orton grabbing mr t and, and Piper trying to hit him but then Piper hitting Orton instead Piper then challenges Mr. F- Mr. T to fight him but then Piper and Orton attack him and put the boots to him and they whip him with a belt in a mm. I don't know visually tricky one it's also made incredibly tricky by the fact that Jesse Ventura says that it's like watching Roots 2 now for people who aren't aware Roots was an American TV show which is about slave trade right so it's very very poor form and even vince is taken aback by it and again we go back to what i said about the clunky intro they could have cut that we talked about adrian adonis so after the show i was thinking like you know what that's that's good stuff some of the homophobic elements normally but it's the mid 80s it's kind of it's the time unfortunately but I'm not sure there was never time that you made a joke about a black man being being held down by one white man as another white man whips him with a belt. It's just really poor form. And Jesse's got previous for this, for jokes of this ilk, and it's a bit disappointing. And it, to be honest, it topped off what was a really crap segment. Well, I think, as you say as well, it's very disappointing because they can just redo it. They're not doing mm. it live. The whole thing is being post-produced in WWF headquarters, I presume, which is where we see all the stuff with Gene Oakland, all the stuff with Vince McMahon and Jesse Ventura when they're in front of the cameras is all later on recorded. So there's absolutely no reason why this commentary needs to stand. It, you just mm. redo the match and tell v- Jesse Ventura, don't do that again. Yeah. <laughs> really, really simple, basically. Uh, you're the boss as well, Vince. You're sat next to him. You can just tell him, don't do that. <laughs> and then we're re-recording maybe vince was pushed for time which is why the fucking first segment was so messy doesn't show maybe thoughts on the uh, post-match matt um it just there wasn't really that, that much to it to be honest i mean the, the commentary wise i mean I, I don't know if i just blocked it out um uh, i just i i don't really recall the, them saying much i mean yeah the, the belt thing was you know it, it, it was what it was it was it was just a way to to get them to the you know to, to the next part the next part of the story they were trying to do it you know it was it was fine 
So after an ad break, Oakland conducts what must be the fourth promo with Mr. T in the first sort of 10 minutes of the show, where he says that nobody has beat him like that since his mother when he was about six years old. Then we've got Gene Oakland with Bobby Heenan and King Kong Bundy. Bundy wants Hogan and Heenan says he's ready to face Hogan anywhere, anytime. But he's not facing Hogan tonight. He is instead fighting the mighty, legendary Steve Gatorwolf. <laughs> which has to be the worst fucking name in the history of the world although not as bad as Dewdrop. nothing will be as bad as Dewdrop <laughs> ever this match starts i thought i'd just make this note because it's not a very long match it lasts for all of 20 seconds i think um vince and jesse argue at the start about whether king Kong bundy is handsome or not <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, bundy basically avalanches gator wolf in the corner and demands the referee counts to five matt I'm so glad that you mentioned Steve's surname because, again, this for me goes right back to the pacing of the show. This show went so fucking quick that I didn't even have the chance to get his name. I've literally written down in my notes, Steve, question mark, question mark, question mark. I totally missed his Uh, name. That's a shame. I was hoping for an attempt at the name that was going to be ridiculously wrong, but I got nothing. Literally, I had nothing. I had nothing. I was just King Kong Bunny versus Steve. <laughs> that would have been better. That would have been a better name for him. King Kong Bunny here facing Steve uh, today in this match. And later on, we've got the Junkyard Dog against James. <laughs> I, can, I can see that being on a marquee easily. But um, yeah, this believe it or not, this was the first time I've ever seen a King Kong Bundy match. And well, for what, what can you say for what it was? Oh, who am I kidding? King Kong Bundy is the drizzling shit. Awful. Not for me in the slightest. Wow, that's a big old takedown for 41 seconds. I mean, to be fair, I've made quicker judgments. So (laughs) So the whole aim of this is that Bundy is on the card. That's what the aim of this is. It's so that we know he's there because of what happens later on in the show. I thought... To be fair to him, old Steve Crocodile face, he really threw himself around for Bundy. I know he's only got 41 seconds in him because he's a big guy as well, which I also liked as well because he's a big man. So it makes Bundy that he's probably not dissimilar in size to Hogan. Obviously not quite as impressive in the old physique or guitar playing, we can (laughs) safely assume, as Hogan. But yeah, fuck it, five stars. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the other reason, obviously, this match happens is to give Bundy a big squash win before WrestleMania 2, which is where he faces Hogan for the title in a cage match. So, you know, it's functional. Makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Um, Although I think a big squash win against Steve (laughs) that he crocs shoes is it's not really the push that you wanted is it i love the laziness <laughs> I, I, I was here thinking for the last few minutes i've been like lizard lion that might be another way to, to change lizard the name. lion i like it sam just comes along with croc shoes <laughs> i can just i can just envision how you know envisage howard finkel just going and introducing steve <laughs> That's all it needs to be. I'd rather Michael Buffer do that. That would be more interesting. Oh, my God. That'd be incredible. The Fink could have done it because he'd have gone, Sting! (laughs) Would have been been like Tony Schiavone's Sting. Yeah, that's true, actually. Just think, if he had just been Steve and he'd been announced as that, there might have been no Sting. Not only that, but Sting is Steve. Do you reckon reckon someone at some point was like, 
oh, your ring name's Steve. And everyone just thought he, 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 they said Sting. And so now he's like, oh, yeah, great name, Sting. Love it. I, I think I mentioned this before, but I had a little phase. So I used to work at the wonderful retail environment that is Curry's. And I used to work on the customer service desk, which explains a lot. And um, <laughs> I used to phone up these like companies or speak to customers on the phone. And I had a little phase where people were calling me Stan instead of Sam. <laughs> like, cool. And uh, one of the guys I worked with at the time, lovely guy named Reese, he just took to calling me Stan, which I thoroughly enjoyed because a lot of customers would get very confused. Because he called me Stan. My name badge said Sam. They didn't know what was going on, silly cunts. Well, thanks for that, Simon. So we move on next <laughs> to Gene Oakland interviewing Don Morocco. Uh, Morocco says that everybody wants what he's got. He says that all of a sudden, Mr. Fuji is unwell, just as he has a title shot, and he thinks Hogan is behind it. But then Morocco reveals that Bobby Heenan is going to stand in for Fuji for this match alone. The magnificent Donald sounds exactly like King Kong Bundy, <laughs> who sounds a lot like Harley Race. They must have all just been smoking about 75 days. He's like, oh, God, man. I think. They felt like they had to do that. Yeah. That's the strange thing. Like, it's why everyone kind of goes on about how Jake Roberts' promos are so good because they were quiet and you've kind of talked normally. But it's like anyone could have done it. Like, you're all just completely obsessed with trying to make your voice sound as gravelly as, I don't know, old man's head. That doesn't make any sense because your head's not gravelly at all. It's perfectly, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's perfectly. My, head, my head's Bundy esque. Yeah. <laughs> Well, oh, well I, I was thinking Batman's voice. Oh, uh, yeah, old man's head. No, <laughs> I couldn't think of an analogy, and it just—it was the only thing I could see. I tell you what, I do have another <laughs> another quick note before we move on. Okay, Mr. Fuji's very ill, so he's got a little <laughs> yeah. heat, heat pack on his chest, and then he's got one on his head, but he's still wearing his hat, and he's led down in the locker room area. That's right. They do um, show Mr. Fuji in backstage. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it was tremendous though that was probably my favorite bit of the show actually if i'll be honest mm. that was my favorite bit of the show when they showed mr fuji backstage led down looking a little bit sorry for himself as you said heat pack <laughs> i you know everything oh. oh it's great great stuff so next gene oakland interviews hulk hogan hogan says there is something fishy going on with bobby heenan filling in for mr Fuji, mr Fuji, mr fuji <laughs> in his match with morocco and that's pretty much all he says i mean he doesn't as you said old man this isn't quite the refined hogan that we get later on and it's interesting there's a visual kind of signifier of this which is when he comes down to the ring he's wearing white knee pads so he's got yellow everything else but white knee pads now so again it's not. It's just not quite got all of the act to to where it should be or where it's going to be. Definitely, yeah. This is Hogan light. This is like a prepubescent Hogan. No, definitely not prepubescent with his hair <laughs> at this time. There's no way. <laughs> Perhaps he was growing hair on his bollocks and it disappeared from his head. How does that work? Well, I don't know. Is it a thing? <laughs> is this what happened to you, old man? <laughs> <laughs> no, because my bollocks are still bald. Is the day I was born. <laughs> My my bollocks are like two Matt Lucases in a pair of pants. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the next match is Hulk Hogan versus the Magnificent Morocco for the WWE title. It's a nearly seven-minute match. And this one ends when Hogan does a bit of hulking up, but it's, again, not quite the fully formed hulking up, just like everything else. He then hits the big boot and the leg drop, but Heenan then jumps in and Morocco is disqualified. Uh, he Hogan then... Gra- Hogan then grabs Bobby Heenan. Hogan. <laughs> Hogan O'Brien. 
grabs uh, Bobby Heenan. Hulk Hogan grabs Bobby Heenan, but uh, Bundy then arrives on the scene and he and Morocco attack the champion. As Morocco holds Hogan, Bundy avalanches Hogan three times and splashes him twice. They leave him lying in the ring. The Bulldogs then, very much after all the fucking action's gone down, arrive at ringside to check on him. Just to check on him. Not to save him, but just oh, I just want to make sure he's okay. So yeah, um, that's the match. Let's go, Matt. You had a very short match to comment on last time, so let's go with you this time first. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that uh, Hulk Hogan clearly had no friends. Um, no one give a shit if he got well, his ass kicked. Well, if you think about it, in the first match, is one guy that he has been identified as his friend, Mr. T, gets his ass kicked and he doesn't come and help him. So, you know, it's his own fault, really. That's true. He's just as much of a bastard then. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, um, I mean, the, the, the match, nah, but it, yeah, the, 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 the match wasn't any good. The, the post-match was interesting for, at least for me, if for no other reason, I will say that the sell job by Hogan was actually really good. Like, if anything about this was any good, I, I was quite taken aback by how well he actually sold that, considering I, I didn't think it looked all that devastating, the beating he took. But, you know, he certainly made it look that way. It would have been better if the people who came out, you know, <laughs> once he'd got his ass kicked and come out before. But, hey, what are you going to do? And, yeah, the the idea of, you know, him going into an ambulance and everything. I mean, as it went on, I was like, oh, crap, they, they're really going with like. He, really got laid out here so I, I took that away from it so so that was actually half decent uh the match no so for me this is where old jesse comes into his own for a couple of minutes so uh old magnificent donald is raking with his nails down hogan's back and jesse says morocco is going to take that suntan right off hogan's body <laughs> and uh, then Hogan does the little flip and he's raking down and uh, Jesse gets a bit angry and uh, McMahon goes, hey, he was just doing that, pal. And he says, no, no, Morocco's cut his fingernails. I was like, just lovely. That's where Jesse's great is when he's just saying stupid shit like that. Now, I thought this was pretty much as good as it could be, this match. That's not saying that it's a classic by any means, but it's six, just shy of seven minutes. I thought it was all right. To be honest, I thought it was okay. Going back to the promo, Morocco says he's got he's got the thing that everyone else wants. He hasn't. Hogan has. Because <laughs> he's got the title. But uh, yeah, I thought this was all right. And I thought the aftermath was tremendous. Like, to Matt's point, Hogan is selling it. Like, he's luckily he's not doing his little spit mouth thing, which always made me feel a bit sick when he used to do that. But yeah, I thought overall, as a whole segment, like with the starting with Donald's promo, the reveal that Heenan's going to be in his corner, Hogan's crap promo, and then the match, and then the beating after. I thought this was a really solid, probably 10, 11 minutes of the show. I thought this was, this isn't the, the best thing on the card in terms of wrestling, but I think as a whole, this is the best thing on the card. I forgot to mention earlier on that uh, Bob Orton Jr. is my um, MVP of the evening, simply because he is called, of course, battling boxing ace cowboy Bob Orton Jr., <laughs> Um, well but this match was all right. Um, I know that's nothing to do with this match. I just I get it in now since I forgot earlier on. Uh, this is this is all right. This match. I mean, it is a typical Hogan match from Saturday Night's main event. And I have a problem with those matches because they're rushed. They're really rushed. Morocco gets like one punch, maybe two punches at the beginning of the match. Then Hogan basically takes over. Then Morocco gets in another four or five punches, and then H- Hogan hulks up. And that's pretty much. 
the Saturday night's main event Hogan matches. That's how they go. Like it's not like the pay-per-view matches where they maybe take place over 15 minutes and he is there's like actually almost a story to them. These are just in or as quick as they can get to the the hulking up phase of the match. They go into it. But you're right. I think the after match is pretty decent. I did note that I thought that the doctor who was the main person who was tending <laughs> to Hogan, not the not the guy that's interviewed later on, but the guy the the guy who's the doctor here. Is it Mike Rotunda? It looks, it looks like Mike Rotunda doing the doctor's duties. Now, Mike Rotunda had been in the WWF in the recent past. So, uh, and I don't know if he was still in the roster at this time, but it really looks like him. Yeah, I, I'm sticking with it. I think it is Mike Rotunda. But not only that, then Gorilla Monsoon decides he's also going to ride the ambulance with Hogan. So, you know, yeah. Gorilla Monsoon very much playing the elder statesman even by this point. Uh, yeah, nice though. I, I thought it was a good, it was a good thing, and it did set up re- again WrestleMania two. That's what they're doing. They're building to WrestleMania two. They just had the big angle, and this is why Hogan is wearing the taped ribs at that match at WrestleMania two because of this, uh, because of this little angle. What I quite like is there's just these little things, and like old Gene Oakland, he's going to get me MVP because he puts in a good shift here. But like the little things where Vince is like, oh, go to the hospital, like go to the hospital, it's yeah. like. It's absolutely absurd, but it just adds this little thing of like, fuck, he's fucking done. And again, we're talking about 1986. Like, this is a very different time where like, I would have, if I was watching wrestling at this point, I would have been about two, yeah, two and a bit. So I would have had a fucking clue what was going on. But if I was five years older, I'd have been like, he's fucking dead, mum. He's (laughs) fucking dead. And he would have, he would have. (laughs) Like, that cunt Bundy. He's fucking, he's fucking killed Hogan. The shit. <laughs> You've been calling on Mean Gene's hotline to find out all the yeah. updates of him in the hey, hospital. Hey, Gene, get him out of fucking ambulance, you cunt. <laughs> and she just said, what's your language, you little shit? And then, whack me around the head with Jim Duggan's two by four, which isn't a double meaning. Let's pop me, let's pop me big time. <laughs> now, but you are right, though. Actually, I do want to make a quite serious point about that. You're absolutely right. Vince McMahon says to him, you know, Gene, follow the ambulance, get to the hospital. And it made it feel off the cuff. And I would compare this. So we just said about Mr. T and Bully Bob Orton Jr. in their boxing match. He's got he's making no pretense that this is real or anything. What's Bob Orton's name? Oh, for now, I know. It's terrible. <laughs> really long, isn't it? Oh. Um, so, you know, we made the point that they're not pretending that this is real. And yet... They're not also failing to live up to the idea that this is a story. There's a universe going on here that we're kind of presenting to you. Whereas I think the WWE of these days wouldn't bother with the the sense that there was a roving reporter. Instead, they just have someone randomly already at the hospital or there for the ambulance to arrive because they don't even bother with the pretense that this is a kind of universe of its own. So I thought that was really quite telling is that in that moment, they were kind of trying to explain why Dean Oakland was at the hospital or even at the very least promote the fact that he would be there in order for you to get an update later on in the show, which I just thought made perfect sense to me. That's the other thing. There's the hook, isn't there? Yeah. So keep, and they're very good at this in these shows, which like we've been very critical of them, but they're very good at getting that hook. So suddenly it's like, oh yeah, we'll try and go to Gene for an update when he gets to the hospital. It's like suddenly, I want to know if he's dead. I want to know if that cunt Bundy's killed him. <laughs> you have no idea how great it is to not hear sort of WWE jargon of today. Like to be able to hear the word hospital 
was like, my God, hooray. Instead of them saying, he's taken him to the local medical facility, because that's what they would have done today. And just to hear the word hospital, to see mean, you know, mean Gene outside of one later, that's how it should be. Why would I, that, that is so weird as well. Why would they not like the word hospital? It's so fucking weird. Local medical. Who the fuck says local medical facility? I read something a few years ago, and I can't remember where it was or whether it's true but the the reasoning was that if they said hospital and they were in a place where there was one hospital people would go there to see the rest and that was their thinking wow so they wanted to stop that so whether that's happened in the past i mean we don't know mean gene might have been buggered by a load of people who were <laughs> <laughs> and we're like how's open? i don't know right that's it <laughs> fucking roger <laughs> But yeah, like it's not, is it? It's so sh- and But then that's bollocks, isn't it? I sure is that's bollocks. Because they won't say ambulance. No. They'll say, what is it? Paddy wagon, I think they call them. <laughs> oh no, that's a, bloody, that's a bloody police thing, isn't it? Oh, fuck <laughs> off. That joke's ruined. <laughs> well, they definitely don't call it the Nino or so. <laughs> <laughs> but my good they should my goodness they should oh that would be special that would Hogan's in the back of the Dino going to the local medical facility <laughs> <laughs> so there's a pre-recorded interview next by Gene Oakland so this was another thing this was really clever because Gene Oakland's out there ro- doing his roving reporting bit. He's now got to follow the ambulance. So they can't have him doing an interview as if it's live. So they've said this was a pre-recorded interview. Oh, the, the, the idea that they would pay attention to such a small detail as that is absolutely alien to that company now. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's a pre-recorded interview by Gene Oakland with uh, Brutus Beefcake and Greg the Hammer Valentine with their manager, Johnny Valiant. Johnny says that their previous match against the British Bulldogs was them scouting their opponent. So they had previously been beaten in a non-title match. I fucking loved that. I absolutely loved it. Just so simple. So they lost. Yeah, we were scouting them. Now we know how to beat them. Brilliant. And, and that tag team match is next. Now, I it, it actually says that the match lasted for 12 minutes on Wikipedia, but I don't think that's how much we see of this match. I think we see probably more like seven, maybe eight minutes of the match. Um, it is the dream team against the British Bulldogs for the tag team title. We see some footage before the match of their previous non-title match where the Bulldogs beat the dream team. But here, uh, we very much get a victory for the dream team when Valentine barges dynamite and comes down inadvertently on top of Dynamite Kid for the pin. So again, there another match they're building for WrestleMania 2 is the rematch between these two teams. Uh, old man, your thoughts on this match? Enjoyed this. It was cracking. Just just a cracking little match. Just a nice... This is the kind of thing that if I were to pop in and uh, my mum was just getting over the fact that Bundy had beat up Hogan and she stopped swearing. And uh, I, this was on... I'd be like, you know what? I'll have a bit of this. And I just thoroughly... It's fast-paced. Very fast paced as well, especially for a Greg Valentine's match. Greg Valentine's, it's only one of them. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, no, February the 14th, Greg Valentine's Day. Everyone knows that. <laughs> well, you imagine that waking up next to him on Valentine's Day. Uh, yeah, this is fast paced. And what they do, which Tinky touched on this in a previous episode that we've done, they put in a break, so an advert break. So what they do is they break the match up and they have a little brawl outside. And then when you come back, it's kind of resolved. And I think as Vince goes, oh, and it's still Valentine and Dynamite Kid in the ring. And I was like, lovely old job. And that broke up. What I think, say we get seven minutes, but I think seven minutes of that pace would have been a bit like fucking out. I'm going to shit myself here. 
which is what we had in a previous Sony Notes main event, where they think it was um, Rick Martel and Tito Santana against some people. Bolsheviks, maybe? Yes, it was. Yeah, and it was a uh, it was a very fast pace and a bit frantic, and I didn't didn't know what was going on. And then I had to have a lie down. Whereas this, they get it right with that break. And also, I realized I'd seen very little of Dynamite Kid, and uh, he was very good. And I enjoy seeing Lou Albano. Albano, fuck me. What is it, Alba- Albano? Albano. Albano, yes. It's not an easy word. It's not easy when you're Brazilian to say words like that. Yeah, so Lou Alpaca, he's outside, having a lovely time. Just good shit. Yeah, Lou just... Alpaca, that's got to be Steve Gatorwolf's manager, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, he was until he ate him. <laughs> Do, do you know what? I, I tell you what I find interesting about this, guys. I mean, you sort of said earlier on, Ben, like in terms of me having to adjust my expectation to this sort of era and that type of thing. I mean, this is why I didn't think I did this match, because if you're going to look at anything that was as close to, you know, quote unquote, modern style, that this was it. Like, I, I was quite surprised by this. Like, this was as close to something as you're going to get today. You know, the multiple drop kicks, high spots, that kind of thing. I mean, you know, it's it's not like it was a Hardy Boys match, you know, to use a really dated term. Can't believe I just did that. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were around a couple of years ago, weren't they, they? They were just a few years ago. I, I don't know if anybody knows these guys, Matt and Jeff Hardy. Google them. There wasn't any, like, crazy high spots or anything, but... They were they were great, you know. It was, I can't say like the finish. The finish looked a little bit clunky to me. That that kind of spoiled it a little bit. But other than that, I, I thought this was really pretty good match actually. I thought that the beginning was really messy of this match because they were going at such a high pace. It seemed like they were they just did. It, it was almost like they had no idea what they were doing. I think there's probably down to the fact that Greg Valentine and Bruce Beefcake have never moved this fast in their entire lives, um, and they were struggling to stay at a pace with them. Whilst Dynamite Kid, infamously a little bit of a bully, was probably just enforcing the fact that we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have this match really really fast, and you're gonna do it the same pace as us and uh, sod you if you can't keep up. I think Matt, to your point, there's Dynamite Kid's literally the only wrestler in the entire company for a good five six years who would do anything like this stuff around this era. So had he not been on this card, I don't think you'd have seen anything like this <laughs> from anybody else. Um, and this isn't even Dynamite Kid in full flight because he's in the WWF environment he's already kind of got some back issues by this point in his in his life and he's also massive like he's in a hugely a huge frame for how big he actually should be much much like david boy smith was for most of his career um but it is you're right it is a notch above everything else from an in-ring standpoint i thought it was a good match which you very rarely get on saturday night's main event it's you know if we're, if we're honest so yeah it was it was it was enjoyable enough actually interestingly i've seen i've seen all the pay-per-views from the, the era from about 85 right through to at least you know well probably all the way through um from the wf time period and you don't see much of dynamite kid on the early pay-per-views you know he just doesn't he's not in the ring that much even when the british bulldogs are there so this this was actually quite a lot of dynamite kid compared with what you usually get even from those pay-per-view matches and this is my match of the night i forgot to say that i'm assuming it's yours as well matt yeah i'll second that yeah definitely yeah i think it's i think it's gonna take a all three of our votes for that no doubt about that well done bulldogs well done valentine's well done beefcakes <laughs> well done greg valentine's day in fact this will be the episode the week after valentine's we've missed it but there we go it will be the week uh almost a week after everyone has put their partner in the figure four leg lock <laughs> 
<laughs> celebrate Greg Valentine's Day. Yeah. yeah. So Greg Valentine was famous for his slow pace. Do you reckon he made love in that way as well? Do you reckon his wife had to buck off like a week of work? Well, he's famous also for not really kind of warming up until about yeah. 15 minutes into the match. So yeah. I imagine he's a fabulous lover, old man. Yeah, I, I can imagine. He's very sexy as well, isn't he? <laughs> let's see greg's hammerhead moving on we have gene oakland outside er reporting on hogan's injury but he has no news as yet that's all he can report then we get the hulk hogan music video which we've already discussed in some length and then we get the junkyard dog versus adrian adonis match which uh, we've already discussed as well so we're getting through it we're right near the end of the show we go back to gene oakland back at the hospital he's with a doctor who I can't remember the name of. I think it's Dr. Slapdick. <laughs> it's not Dr. Slapdick, unfortunately. It is Dr. Bob Ponovich. That's the name of the uh, the doctor. <laughs> Where they got that name from, I don't know. But Dr. Bob Ponovich and uh, old Ponovich says that there is no evidence of internal bleeding. Thank goodness. The cunt's not going to die, old man, after all. <laughs> There's no evidence of internal injury, he says. So oh. he's fine. Like, he's absolutely <laughs> fine. Know. There was injuries to Hogan's low back, not his lower back, Hogan's <laughs> low back, which needed reckon, x-rays. So would a low back be an ass? <laughs> We'd have yeah. to ask the doc. So, so Bob <laughs> Bob Ponovich says that, that Hogan needs some x-rays in his ass. That's what we've taken from <laughs> him. So after this, there's another ad break. We have a recap of the boxing match and the attack on Mr. T and a recap on Bundy's attack on Hogan. We then have McMahon quoting Hulk Hogan, saying that they've just received this from the hospital. Nobody's keeping me down. I'll be leaving hospital in a few hours. So somehow, Mr. McMahon's got that quote out of the mouth of Hogan all the way back in the arena. Although, of course, he's not in the arena. He's in the studio. And then we we end. The, the show comes to a close. So that bit was the one bum note in this whole hospital thing mm. because I thought it was really well done. And then, like, um, mean Gene, when they go to him for the first update, he said, oh, they won't let us in with the camera and the recording equipment. Lovely. That's why you stood outside, like a pervert. But to then have the quote is like, well, we, we know he can't go in. Come on. I mean, they also had Bob Ponovich, so they could have had Bob Ponovich tell everybody you know oh by the way i have got this note from hogan i bob ponovich's lack of charisma Ah, he he could have just given it to oakland he could have said i've got this note from hogan Uh, i wrote it down but you know you you might want to tell the audience and then gene oakland could have said it yeah he looks at the note and goes they found what in his ass (laughs) i may have to change my mvp to dr bob ponovich if i'm honest um For this, for this uh for main, mainly because i love his name i love saying it uh, but then i do also love saying <laughs> battling boxing ace cowboy bob orton jr so you know what can you say? so okay it's time to get our ratings out of 10 for the show matt did you give us your mvp previously i didn't my mvp goes to mr t yeah oh, lovely. J- just for no other reason than is ju- is just charisma just for me just comes straight off the page just Whenever you see like a TV show, movie, anything, I think if you can remember the person a couple of hours later, that pops in your head. That's how you know somebody's going to done a good job. So, Mr. T, MVP. Let's get your ratings out of 10, Matt. What was your overall thought and your rating out of 10 on the show? Overall thoughts of the show, all honesty, it, it kind of was a bad show. The, 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 the pacing just 
ruined it for me and I'm not sure I ever recovered from it. In ring wise, wasn't that great. I mean, I, I can sum it up by saying that the best things of the, the show uh, were Mr. T's charisma, Hogan selling, and the the real American music video. All all of those aren't enough to make it an excellent or even that great a show. So I'm kind of going quite low. I'm going to go with a three. Oh man, I like the Hogan stuff. I like the Hogan segment. I enjoy the tag team match, and I was caught off guard by the junkyard dog and Adrian Adonis thing. You've obviously got the squash, the old squeezy squash, and you've got Mr. T and old uh, Bollocks Bob in not a particularly memorable boxing match. I'm going to give it a five, I reckon, because mm. I think it's half good, half okay. I think only the boxing match, the boxing match is the one real bum note, I think. We've got a couple of unsavory jokes that... I, I don't not really a big fan of as we've gone over, but I think this must be the best one we've watched in my eyes. Anyway, I don't know whether it is ratings wise, but yeah, I thought this was pretty much as good as I could expect. Really, for these shows, given how terrified I was going in, still am. <laughs> I think you're kind of right, actually, old man, when you say that it might be as bad as good as these shows get, and I, and Matt, that might fill you with dread for the fact that we might have any in the future if you ever come yes. across them. But it genuinely, like this, did have some high points, like the Hogan, as you said, the Hogan selling segment that was that was good. Sell sold WrestleMania too well. The Hogan music video, I mean, you can't get away with that. Can't, that was cracking. The British Bulldogs versus the Dream Team, that's that's a good match for me. Saturday night's main event you know this is these are like when I compare it to Saturday night's main event one this is streets ahead of Saturday Night's Main Event 1. I was the one who gave it 1 out of 10. Actually, interestingly, and you gave that a 4 out of 10. But I thought it was absolutely dreadful. But maybe that was under the influence of Tom and the fact that it had the Mother's Day segment that you know I'm sure was very funny. I think it is on the upper end. I'm giving it a 4. I didn't hate this. I remember the last one we watched. I was just so bored. And I just couldn't. It was Not that it was boring. It was just... It was just too much, and there was nothing of real any interest or note, and there was nothing funny. This had at least some funny bits, and some interesting bits. Built to WrestleMania 2 quite well. All the big matches are, are touched upon here. Obviously, the WrestleMania 2 as well is the one that's at three different venues, and it's got three different main events. And the three main events, guess what they are? They are Roddy Piper versus Mr. T in a boxing match. They are the Dream Team versus the British Bulldogs for the tag team titles. And they are Hogan versus Bundy for the WWE title. So all three of those main events have been kind of built up here in this in this show. So it certainly did the job that it was supposed to do. So yeah, four out of ten for me. Don't be so, sad, because four out of ten ain't bad. <laughs> as the dearly departed Meatloaf never said. You took the words right out of my mouth, old man. <laughs> as as the dearly departed Meatloaf uh, said. Oh, that, that must have been when I was kissing you. <laughs> Although, in fairness, I'd do anything for love. But I wouldn't do that. <laughs> If we carry on like this, it's going to be paradise by the dashboard light. So we better uh, we better move on quickly uh, and say thank you, old man, for joining me today. Well, like a bat out of hell, I'll be gone till the morning's done or whatever the line is. Like a bat out of hell, <laughs> remember, Kemper Terra. And Matt, thank you for your contributions as well. Thank you very much. And remember, everybody, enjoy Greg Valentine Day. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, but unfortunately, it happened last week, but, you know, it's all well, good. Well, no, he's pre- preempting next year. Oh, exactly. I see. I see. Yeah, okay. Fucking hell. So, always ahead. Yeah. And uh, thank you for our, to our listeners as well. Don't forget, we'd lie for you, and that's the truth. We'll be back again next week, but until then, take care. <laughs>